When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 70 of our great study, Exodus. Um, uh, episode 70, Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And we left off in uh, chapter 39. And now we're going to be in Exodus 40, chapter 40, which is the last chapter. I have no idea how long it's going to take us to get through this. But we'll go ahead and start and uh, we'll kind of see where we go. So let's just go ahead and start reading in Exodus. Um, hold on, hold on. Exodus uh, chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the month. Place the Ark of the Covenant law in it and shield the Ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Covenant law and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil. Well, before we get to this, just so you know that so all of these things that the people brought together, all of their goods, and they built a tabernacle to God, which was a place to worship God that has the Ark of the Covenant, the the incense, the, the table of presence, everything specified by God, and they set it up just as God's specification. The, and this is this took, I don't know how long it took to craft, but they had the two best craftsmen in Israel that came together and built this whole thing. Um, and now God tells them to set it up. And this is, we talked about this a little bit uh, in a previous episode, but this is like the best Israel has to offer. This is, um, now if they had lived in a different place in a different time, the tabernacle may have looked different. But they were a nomadic community out in the middle of the Sinai Peninsula. And you'd think if you're nomadic, you don't want to spend a lot of money building a building that you're eventually going to, you know, move. Uh, so, God told them to build a kind of like a portable tabernacle. So they put all this money and effort, uh, all these goods and efforts and gold and silver and yarn and all that into the mobile tabernacle. Now, eventually they end up in Jerusalem and eventually they take, they replace the tabernacle with uh, this, the temple. And then they replace that with another temple. So, but this is like a pre-temple tabernacle, a place to worship God. And the temple design follows this tabernacle design too. So when we think about when Jesus dies on the cross and the temple curtain is torn in two, it's the temple, you know, it's the curtain that separates the Holy of Holies from everything else. And it's all specified on this design from God. And so um, th this design that God comes up with carries them through all the way to the point of Jesus. And then at Jesus' time, when he dies on the cross, then the temper the, the tabernacle curtain is torn in two, and we don't um, require a temple anymore because we don't do sacrifices anymore. The reason we don't do sacrifices anymore is because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. 
And the reason why the Old Testament sacrifices were pleasing to God was because it was a foretaste or a precursor of the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus. So um, that's kind of uh, how we view the temple, the tabernacle, and all these things. But there are some principles here that we would want to kind of cling on to. In the temple, there was a place for sacrifice. In the temple, there was a holy of holies. In the temple, there was uh, a lampstand. Some of these things could be carried forward into future church designs to remind us of the temple. It's not required. Uh, God did not say that we have to have these items. But if we want to please God, these are some of the items that we could have at some level symbolically in a church. Um, God uh, also does not require incense, but you could theoretically have some incense in a church and it would remind you of the incense that you have at the Holy of Holies and the temple and all that sort of thing. Um, God does not require us to spend a lot of money on a church or a synagogue. And yet, um, the whole nation of Israel pulled together all their resources to build this beautiful uh tent of meeting and and tabernacle the if uh, if a nation does not have the whole entire na- if the whole entire nation does not follow god then it is not fair for the people that don't follow god in that nation to pay for a temple so in europe in many many places during the middle ages you had uh, whole communities where everybody in the community was um, was a Protestant or was a Catholic or was, you know, the follower of one particular, I guess we'd call today a denomination. And so at that point, it was fair to tax everybody to say, we're going to take the best of what we have and we're going to build a temple, you know, to God, build a structure to God. In the Roman Catholic Church, uh, at the time of Luther, they wanted to build the pinnacle of all things at St. Peter's Basilica in downtown Rome. And so they taxed the whole entire Roman Empire to get all that tax to build at that point, which would have been the most beautiful building in, in the whole entire Europe. Uh, the same thing could have been true with the Hagia Sophia Church in uh, Constantinople, that they would have taxed the whole entire Christian church to build one structure That would have been the beautiful structure to God. Um, And then in in England, where it was all the Church of England, they were able to tax the whole entire Church of England to build St. Paul's Cathedral in downtown London. So how does that translate to us today? Well, we we are not in a position here in the United States, although we do have the National Cathedral, which probably was built with public money. But, But that was before this major change happened between the separation of church and state uh, in the 60s in the United States. And so the odds of us ever building a church building that's as beautiful and as eloquent as what these people built out in the Sinai Peninsula or what they built in downtown Jerusalem or what some of the early Christians built, you know, as part of Christendom, that is just probably not going to happen. And we've split all the denominations again. So it's just, it's probably these are things of the past, but that that doesn't mean that we can't, as a church or as a community of followers of Jesus Christ, uh, pool our resources together to do as best as we can with the gifts that God has given us. But we should never compare ourselves to, 
you know, St. Paul's Cathedral or the Hagia Sophia or the temple in Jerusalem, because that was built under a different legal structure and they had a different way to fan out the tax base or the, the construction, I guess you could call it the tax base to build those particular buildings. Um, but I think the whole purpose of that building is to just to give our best back to God. So what each congregation is called to do is what is the best that you can do? Why don't you do that for God? And that's uh, what every congregation is called to do. Uh, it's not necessarily called to the bare minimum, uh, although there might be times where you do the bare minimum, but uh, at times you're called to do your best, and that's uh, what the congregation is called to. All right, well, let's continue reading in uh, Exodus 40, verse 9. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all of its utensils. Consecrate the altar, and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate them. So remember this anointing oil, the formula for it was given earlier in Exodus, but it's a particular formula with a particular smell, and that smell was dedicated smell for the tabernacle and all of the things in the tabernacle. Nobody else was allowed to make this particular smell. Um, but then God says, once you've built the whole entire thing, now go and anoint everything with this oil so everything is surrounded with that smell. So whenever you smell that smell, you are immediately drawn to God because you know that's a holy smell. And um, as we've said before, the smell, the your, your sense of smell is one of the most powerful memory devices you have. Um, that you can, you can bring back an incredible amount of memories just based upon smell alone, even when you don't have a written language or a video camera. <laughs> All right, verse 12. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue through the generations. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So that is called the Aaronic priesthood. And uh, it's still, uh, you know, we still talk about it. There's the Aaronic blessing, which is associated with this priesthood that we still close our church services with. It's the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. That whole entire blessing was the blessing that God gave to Aaron. Uh, and now Aaron will say this in the tabernacle. So this, that particular phraseology goes all the way back to Aaron. And one of the oldest Hebrew scripts that's available on this earth, you know, archaeologically, they go and dig places and they find different pieces and bits of scripts. The oldest script that we have is the uh, is the ironic blessing and it it's in a it's wrapped up in silver and it was in an amulet uh, that someone probably carried around their neck at some point it's very 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 old uh, and it's the oh what's what's the which amulet is it I can't remember but it's an amulet that that has the oldest blessing the ironic blessing in it all right um, so now Aaron is. Uh, set up as the priest and his sons are set up as priests also. You could say Aaron is the high priest. 
Uh, he will perform priestly duties in this tabernacle that they set up on the first day of the month um, in the second year. So let's just keep reading. Verse 17. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the base in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent, as the Lord commanded him. He took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law, as the Lord commanded him. And uh, just to point out, this isn't Aaron that's doing this, but this is Moses that's doing it. I mean, you have a bunch of workers that are kind of setting this up. Um, so they have to be in the Holy... I mean, they have to... There has to be workers all the way around to get this thing set up. But at some point, it becomes a consecrated holy thing, and then only certain people can go in certain locations. Verse 22, Moses placed the tent placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the curtain and set out the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and placed fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up a curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished his work. Um, so now we have Moses, uh, this incredible figure um, called by God to be a great leader Um in the court of Pharaoh, saved from birth, uh, to grow up in the court of Pharaoh, becomes educated, uh, is, is touched by God, is told to bring the people out of Egypt. He brings the people out of Egypt. He acts as a mediator between God and man um, and, uh, and now brings them to the point where they now have a tabernacle uh, and a place where they can see God and a place where they can experience the presence of God. And they have a whole priestly class that's now available to make sacrifices to God. And um, they, they had the voice of God uh, come through Moses. And, um, and now they've set up the tabernacle. So um, now Moses doesn't die yet. Moses still has a lot of life left in him. But uh, the, the story of Exodus pretty much ends with this story. If you remember, the whole Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, written by Moses, is five books. It's called the Torah. And the reason why it was separated is they found uh, they couldn't fit it all on one scroll. And so they evenly divided the scrolls based upon the different events that happened. And they decided to 
end this part of Exodus uh, at the end of this story, uh, at the end of this account. Uh, and then we go, the story continues, uh, but it, it continues in another book of the Bible, Leviticus. Um, so we are rapidly uh, moving into the end of this particular scroll, I guess you could say, before we get into the next story. Um, and the reason why I bring that is because because uh, uh, it looks like we are going to probably finish Exodus today because there's only one little bit left. Um, and uh, the whole idea of being rescued and then having a tabernacle, a place of God, it's probably a good place to end the story. But I do want to end with this last little bit which is the presence of God um, in the tabernacle. And uh, so let's go ahead and read it, and then we'll reflect upon it a little bit. Uh, this is Exodus chapter 40, beginning at verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all of the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. So we have this beautiful picture of this cloud of day, you know, the cloud by day and the fire by night, the fire and the cloud by night. Um, whenever God is in the temple, Moses can't even go in. So the presence of God, this is definitely a place where the presence of God exists. And the Israelites knew that, that God was present with them. Wherever they went, they took God with them in this tabernacle uh, until they end up in Jerusalem. And then God sits in the tabernacle in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and then the tabernacle, the curtain is torn in two. And when Jesus comes, then they don't need a tabernacle anymore. We don't need a tabernacle because the presence of God is in each one of us. And this pillar of cloud by day and night, the tongues of fire, it, it comes at baptism. It comes at, Holy, at the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit now res resides in each Christian that comes to you at your baptism, all of this stuff that came at the tabernacle now resides in you. It is not required anymore to have a place for God because God resists in every Christian. It, it, God is, uh, resides in every Christian. But when you go back and read the book of Exodus and see the presence of God and how beautiful that presence of God was in the tabernacle, think of yourself as a modern-day tabernacle with the Holy of Holies and a curtain and altar of incense and bread of presence and all these things. This all resides in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, you are the new tabernacle, if you will, because God resides in you. This, this incredible presence of God is no longer required in a place, but in a person, the person of Jesus Christ, who then also comes into you and resides in you, which means that no matter where you nomadically travel, wherever God takes you in life, you will always have the presence of God, the tabernacle of God, the, all of these things in you, which is kind of cool. It really is cool. Um, so I, 
there's not a whole lot more to say about Exodus. And uh, I'm not entirely sure when we'll get to the next book, uh, Leviticus. Uh, We will probably do that at some point and see where God takes us. My desire would be to get through the whole entire Torah. uh, And so we'll have to see how that goes. But um, we will take a break from this Old Testament for a while. I don't know when we'll get back to even an Old Testament book, although I have a couple that I'd like to get to before we get to Leviticus. So we'll, we'll plan that out. But my friends, this is the end of this particular um, book. And um, so I would like to kind of close it off here. Um, and, then, and then we'll uh, pick up at another book at some other time. So would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you for this story about the Exodus and then the building of the temple. What a great bookend to your presence with God, with with the people of God. The presence with Moses at the beginning and presence at the tabernacle at the end. But Lord, you're present with us too uh, because of our baptism and our entrance into the kingdom of God. You never leave us. And for that, we thank you. So thank you for this time together. Uh, Keep us safe until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.